Our comrades at Black Feminist Future will be hosting a free virtual experience celebrating the legacy, power, and possibilities of Black feminisms on August 28th. We deeply believe that Black liberation is achievable. And to get there, we must center Black feminisms, build power, and organize to defend and protect Black women, girls, and gender non-conforming folks. Jubilee will be a space to be reintroduced, re-energized, and renewed in Black feminisms. Register for free at BlackFeministHomecoming.com. Hey, y'all. I'm Aon. And I'm the Lioness. And you're listening to Box Number 512 Podcast. Roll Black Trans Woman Talk. Changing your world one conversation at a time. The show begins now. If you would like to see this episode along with other exclusive content, Make sure you become a patron by going to our box number 512 podcast Patreon page where you can become a patron for as little as $5 a month. The link to the page is in the show notes for the show. So make sure you go on over there if you would like to see the episode in addition to listening to it. All right, y'all. Back to the show. What's going on, y'all? Welcome to another installment of box number 512 podcast. I am your co-host, Aon. And I'm the lioness. How y'all feeling? Um, bitch, I'm tired again. I'm gonna just keep it real with y'all. Um, I'm kind of sick this week. Um, I guess I'll go first with updates. I'm kind of sick this week. Um, having a mild sinus infection or whatever, but it kind of came out of nowhere because this past weekend, like I was feeling fab. I went to the pool on Sunday and I was skinning out by the pool. And then the very next day, that Monday is when my symptoms started. So trying to get over that. Uh, But other than that, nothing much has really changed since between this now and last week. I'm trying to remember what I did last week, which I don't. The the, The days and the weeks are starting to run into each other. I know this weekend I'm doing a staycation. I'm going to a nice hotel in the DMV area just to just to get out of my apartment and just to trick my mind into thinking that I'm traveling. Um, I normally would travel somewhere, but with the airline, the, the airlines are still canceling. The airlines are still canceling a lot of flights. And also what I'm noticing flying out of DC, there are not as many like direct flights to places that I would want to go visit. Like I was looking at trips to Houston, trips to like LA or even trips to Vegas. And I don't know if that has anything to do with just the whole downturn of the airline industry and them not having enough labor, but it's hard, it's hard to get playing somewhere. And it's like a direct flight. Like they're talking about like, 10 and 12 hour layovers honey and i just that defeats the purpose of buying a plane ticket so yeah i'm just going to do a staycation just to stay somewhere local and just lay my head on some fancy hotel sheets and pillows and just enjoy myself for the weekend nothing's really going on with me not really dating anybody the people that i was excited about they haven't been consistent so they have been blocked uh, just a key, this key word of advice, just for dating in general, but especially for me, 
don't say that you're going to do something and you're not going to follow through because now my tactic is when you give that set when you when you're like oh I, first of all i'm not really that excited for anybody to take me out because i can take myself out but if you put it on a plate now there's this expectation that you follow through and that even means on the day of you're checking in with me to make sure i'm still available so if you sell it like you want to do this day and a third and the day comes and goes and you haven't do nothing that's telling me that you talk a lot of shit but you're not a person of action so it's a couple of the boys the young boys i was entertaining that say all of the shit but didn't uh, follow through so it's the it's the black button it's the match button like that's the energy i have for men if you want to go out and if you talking that shit you better be able to back it up because that doesn't impress me but other than that, nothing romantic is going on and nothing definitely has been going on this week because usually when I'm sick, I don't feel like talking to nobody. So it, I've just been focused on me trying to get my health back to where it needs to be. I don't have any other trips planned. I'm, I am going to Dallas for Labor Day. I'm also in the process of uh, planning trips. So for my birthday, I'm either going to Las Vegas or I'm going to Jamaica. One of my goals that I want to speak into existence is I want to take more uh, foreign or international trips. I'm one of the girls that's fortunate enough to have my passport and we need to, we need to use that passport up. So I'm in the process. I, I want to plan a trip to Jamaica. I'm going to go to Montego Bay. I've never been anywhere in the Caribbean. Well, I'm not, I've been to Cancun before. That's technically the Caribbean, but I went there to get some work done. I really didn't go there to like vacation and stuff, but I want to go to make, I want to go to the Jamaica. I do want to go to the Dominican Republic, definitely staying on a resort, all inclusive. And I think next year I want to take a trip to either Belize or Costa Rica. Uh, and I also want to take a trip to Thailand too. So I'm, I'm trying to set my pussy up and take more big girl vacations and just, just enjoy the success that I've created for myself. I'm very fortunate um, to be somebody that can afford it by myself. Um, and I, I'm just ready to take my life and take my self-care and just take my enjoyment of life experiences to the next level. So I can't wait to pay for, pay for these trips. I can't wait to tell y'all how it is, show some pictures, buy some more scandals from Fashion Over, and just live my life. But that's all that's going on with me. Sis, what's your tea? So, um... My tea is this last week. You know how? Okay, so I'm one of those. I'm one of those people, and I'm, I, you know, um, I like to use the term neurodivergent. I have ADHD, and so this last week, I found myself trying to be biting off more than I can chew, memory-wise, and so then feeling like I could never really catch up to myself. Um, and I'm very hard on myself when I have these moments because I try to be that girl that tries to remember things. And, you know, there are people out there that will say, for those of us that have ADHD, you know, there are people out there who will tell you all the time, well, you need to create systems. You need to use your calendar. You need to do the, all of these things. And all of those are probably very effective for neuroatypical people. But even with all of the best planning, I sometimes can be, I can, I time, I can, time can get away from me, possibly because 
I'm, I'm obsessing about whatever I'm doing or I've overextended myself to a friend or a loved one and they're not respecting my time. And I've been, <clears throat> so I'm very hard on myself when that happens. So this past weekend, um, you know, there was been a, there's been a lot going on. I have a new position with my sorority I've discussed. I have um, a fellowship that I'm a part of and um, I've been having meetings with um, folk around some more funding. And I am also doing a consultancy, um, help, help a support a business, develop their programming. One of the nonprofits develop their programming on top of that. You know, um, there's just a lot going on. And I, I, I'm at the place where today I just, I needed a certain energy and I was able to get it. But before we get into today, I feel like yesterday I was able to spend some time with Black trans women. And I forgot how powerful it is to be around your sisters. Um, during COVID, I kind of got, I'm naturally an introvert, but then COVID reinforced those feelings of wanting to isolate. I have social anxiety and I take medication for that as well. And so then COVID felt right, fell right into me. It fell right into my natural proclivity to stay at home, to be by myself, to not want to be bothered. And yesterday, my good girlfriend, Toya, came and got me. Shout out to you, Toya. I love you. I love you. She's married to my wonderful brother-in-law, Quentin. They just got married in St. Lucia, um, I think, week before last. No, yeah, week before last. And um, they had a dinner here in Atlanta, and I was privileged to go to that. And I think I, I gave that as an update on here before. But she it took me over to another of my girlfriend's house who was cooking food and you know her new her new wonderful wonderful boo was there shout out to you raquel um her her wonderful boo was there and it was just kind of like and and then she had another friend that was over and so just being in the company of these trans women just was so restorative and uh you know i lost track of time and all of that over there but it was necessary and I miss my sisters and I miss my trans mothers and I missed people that I could just regularly just go over to their house and just have a key and us have a good old country time. And so it made me feel very nostalgic. And so I woke up this morning feeling good, but feeling a little depressed because I was like, damn, like the world is shutting back down again. And that might be my last little hang for a while. And you know, it's just so much going on. And I'm, you know, oh, shout out to my mother-in-law. Today is her birthday. Um, um, yes, today's her birthday. And I'm, I'm very happy that she made it another year. You know, we can never take um, our mature Americans for granted, um, mature people for granted in general in a COVID world. Um, a lot of people lost their elders in their family. And so to have her, uh, we actually did lose um, her brother last year in 2020. And so, you know, it, she she's the matriarch of the family and she's the eldest member and the only one left. And so it was just good to, to hear that she's doing okay on her birthday. We'll, we'll hope to see her soon. But this morning I was a little kind of gray and disco brought me back. So a little secret that I don't, I've never, I don't talk about often is, is that I am one of those people that disco is like a healer for me. It's like a bomb. Um, as a little kid, my mother has memories of me dancing, just dancing, my breaking into a sweat from her old eight tracks that she would have playing. 
And my happy place is when I'm dancing. And my happy place particularly is when I'm listening to disco. And that's like a little, my like secret weapon thing that I do to kind of cheer myself up. And I hadn't done it in a while. So this morning I started out, you know, with my regular, you know, and then as I walked through the seventies through disco, I just, I got in the style, I was happy and I had gotten my sweat in, but I was also pleased, extremely pleased at the fact that disco still had its magic on me. And so I just want to pass that little nugget of wisdom out to everybody who might be interested. Um, today also, I had the privilege of with our sister, and we'll talk about this a little later, doing a conference. And that was just compounding that feeling that I had yesterday. So I'm kind of on a like emotional high right now. I'm in a very peaceful place. I'm in a very sisterly place. And I, that's a feeling. Like, it's a feeling. It's a very feminine energy. It's a very maternal feminine, but also like camaraderie type of energy. And it just feels really, really good. So I'm in a good place today. Disco and my girls healed me. And I think that's a good thing. So before we get into today's topic, um, definitely got to do some housekeeping. This Saturday, we will be having our um, final book club event for the summer on Patreon. Um, we'll be discussing this month, The Meaning of Mariah Carey by Mariah Carey. I will actually be starting this tonight. I, I anticipate finishing this um, on Saturday, on the day of the event, but I will be starting this tonight. Um, hey, so I, now let me, can I tell them about the audiobook really fast? Mm-hmm. So Mariah Carey is narrating her, this book. And I watched an interview because I always try to watch an interview about I, I try to watch. I did it the last two times. Well, the last time for last because baby had released a new book. But this next time, this will be the second time I've done it where I went online on YouTube and I watched the person's videos where they were promoting the book. And Mariah went on Naomi Campbell's podcast to address a myriad of different things. And she revealed some shit about Sandra Bernhardt that well there's some stuff that resurfaced about her and what her calling mariah carey the n-word which was was a shocker from back in the day she had a comedy routine she did back in the day where she said she called her a nigger but um you know sandra bernhardt back in the day was that girl that kind of was the shock jock of comedy but she, she carried it too far and and that came out on twitter as black twitter will do they'll drag it up bitch and um anyway <laughs> she was on there talking about that and um, she was on there, I mean, she mentioned that as a part of her conversation with Naomi, but she also talked about how she narrated this book. So immediately I was waffling on the two day shipping or whether or not I was gonna get the audio. Mariah Carey, for those of you who are in the Lambly, Mariah Carey is narrating this book and she talked about how she sang some of her like childhood little songs from her journals. She's actually singing. So when she hits a song, in the like when she talks about when you know when she first sang her vision of love like so she sings a little so it's going to be singing all through the book so if you don't want to do the uh, the reading of it and you and you're not someone that can focus or you don't have the time this audiobook should be great um because she's narrating and she talked about she will always do this from here forward and because she just loved the experience of singing and talking and telling her story with her own mouth so it was just dope, y'all. So if you want to check it out, it's The Meeting of Mariah, and you can get it on Audible. And she's narrating the Audible book. Yeah, so make sure you guys 
um, participate so you can be a part of the conversation this Saturday at 8 p.m. Any other housekeeping? Um, no, that's that's the main thing. Um, keep on interacting with us on social media. Particularly well, one more housekeeping. Can we announce our hiatus? Well, we'll still have episodes coming out. Right. Well, there's a hiatus coming, guys. So just so you know, but yeah, we'll still have episodes coming out, but they won't. We'll 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 we will we won't let you know the magic behind the scenes. But yeah, we're we're gonna take a break. My birthday is a coming August the twenty second. So yeah. Sorry. Yeah, but yeah, behind the scenes, we'll definitely be taking like a an end of summer break, um, just to refocus and um regroup and just te- just um step away and just live life and yeah, we just oh, need we a break. where we have to come back and address it, bitch. Right? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um. What? What other? Um. Thank you to the patrons. Thank Charles. Just, just thank y'all. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't. I'm usually perky. I have energy, but bitch, I'm tired. Um, but again, you know, we still do the show whether we are energetic or tired because y'all expect the episode on Friday. So that's just um, what we're going to do. But uh, make sure you, you guys participate in the Patreon um, Summer Book Club, and then. Once we come back, we'll definitely have the list of books that we're going to to have for our fall book club. But that's the only thing that I can think of right now. So let's get into the topic. I guess we can first... I don't think this would be a big topic, but it's just something that I wanted to discuss because clearly I shared it on my platform. So Nick Cannon did an interview like on Monday. It was released on Monday on The Breakfast Club where he talked about the fact that he has seven children, four of which were fathered all around the same time last year. Um, And he talked about how he doesn't ascribe to a Eurocentric lifestyle and he doesn't believe that traditional marriage is for him and he wants to break the mold and create black wealth and all this other bullshit that um it's just a a contradiction and I don't know Nick, Nick, Nick like hearkening back to the divest from um divest from black men movement like I don't know. It's just, like, cis had people, like, when they have kids, it's, it's just so selfish to me. One, so I posted, I posted, like, a screenshot of a meme, and it basically said Nick Cannon is talking about how he doesn't ascribe to Eurocentric views. But if you look at his, four of his baby mamas, Nick clearly has a pattern. Like, you might not subscribe to Eurocentrism as in a, a nuclear family or a, a, a monogamous heterosexual marriage, but the type of woman that she're purposely going after to procreate and have these children with, they definitely ascribe to Eurocentric norms. Not, and this is not to say that it will be better if all of the, the women he procreated with were dark-skinned women, but it's just like, we're not stupid. 
we're not stupid. It, it's very obvious that you're that you are purposely making the choice to create these biracial um, mixed race, race babies with these exotic. Maybe she's black. Maybe she's um, not black type of women. So don't. So for me, like, don't try to tell me like you really care about the community when your actions clearly show that you that you are only concerned about a certain type of black woman. And further. I'm just so, and I'm glad that we're at this point in time where we're able to kind of like basically debase this point that if a man, like, well, it's, it was literally people in the comments, trans folks in the comments saying, well, if he can take care of his kids, it shouldn't matter um, how many children he's having or if the baby mothers is fine, like who are we to have a say? As As if kids only need money to survive. Like, I'm like, that's, it's just so archaic. Like, at some, like, kids need more than money to, kids need quality time. Kids need to know, even if you don't live in the household, they need to know that if they call you, that even if you can't run to be with them at that point in time, that you are accessible in some type of way. And I'm sorry, I don't care how much money you make. No, no one person is that accessible. And the fact that people are deliberately missing the point to uphold this black man just because he has some money, it's just it's just like unless he's um, creating some type of trust fund to pay for the the mental health services that they will need at some point in their life, because I, I just can't imagine being a child in that situation and not feeling um, some type of way that. I wasn't good enough because I had to compete with three other children that were born on the same year as me for my father's love and affection. I don't know. I just, I just think it's, I think it's selfish, and I think I think we ha- we we have got to raise the bar higher from it. Like it's 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 no shade. So what are your thoughts on the Nick Cannon um, multiple baby, the multiple light skin baby mamas slash as long as he paying for his kids, that that's fine. So that sounds to me. So what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing online are black people, um, unfortunately, not even realizing that we look at everything from a poverty point of view. And what I mean by that is a lot of people think that the biggest thing that they missed out of not having their own father in their life is his resources. A lot of people actually believe that you can buy love. A lot of people, people who um, have never had access to money thinks that money will solve their problems. You know, you often hear people say things like, well, you know, money, Money may not, man, money may not be able to love you back, but money will make it money, money will put you in a nice bed to cry in at night. And it's like, yeah, so we want I personally want us to prioritize creating a normalized, and when I say normalized, I know that, that can be that that can be seen as Eurocentric and what that's not what I mean. When I say a normalized environment, I mean a stable environment for children, right? and the most stable environment possible. So the man having multiple children a year is not possibly gonna be able to give each one of those children the proper attention that they need on their milestones. So when it's time for the first, who do you choose when you have kids spread out all over the country to go to their first day of first grade with? Who do you choose to celebrate a birthday with? I mean, you might do a Zoom, 
but that's not going to have the same impact. Now, he's a rich man. He may fly, force these women. To, and, and I don't even also don't like the idea that these women's bodies are being used as a vessel for his procreation. Like, I'm aware that these women are making choices, and a lot of these women, again, are making choices based in based in probably a poverty mentality of, well, if nothing else, I'm going to have a check. And I am, I'm, I unfortunately, I do believe that it's a choice made on both sides, but particularly Nick, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. You don't give a fuck about the black community and cult, and you're not trying to really, you fucking all everything you can see and making babies and laying them low and spreading it wide, as they say. That is something that to me actually falls into some Eurocentric ideas on what black men are supposed to be like. You, I mean, if we're going to keep it real, if you want to keep it real, a lot of what y'all talk about as this degradation of the black home and all of this is that the black man in a lot of cases has not been because of systemic racism been not allowed to be an instrumental figure in his child's life. And so then the fact that you just, you're going to take this mentality and say, I'm trying to diverse from a Eurocentric view where the Eurocentric view on black men indicates that you're hypersexual and that you, that you'll never be a good father. Rather you're great breeding stock and procreation material to carry on good genes. Now, I'm not in all trying to denigrate Nick Cannon's children or his baby mamas, but what I am saying is, is that there are a lot of white people that would, would that are complete would completely agree with him and his sentiment that he is that he's fallen into the stereotype of what black men should do. Now, on the flip side of that, I also think that he's misusing this Eurocentric word to try to downplay his own bad behavior because even in a lot of these religions and a lot of these African cultures that he calls himself borrowing some of his ideas from and his ashiness like a lot of the ashy niggas that don't that have kids everywhere and can't really be in their life he's reaching back to cultures that have a different whole different way of engaging a village that is around these families that that usually are allowing them to be together and the village is cold doing is cold uh, raising these children. We don't have that in 2021 in America where cold whole villages are taking care of these kids. So the model that he's using is doesn't apply because we do live in a Eurocentric society and you, sir, have chosen to live a very Eurocentric lifestyle outside of the fact that you black and wear head wraps. You, let's, let's not play like Nick is that nigga that's really grassrooting it, trying to start a new black America somewhere like he tries to pretend to be when they, when anytime he's called out on some shit. Nick Cannon is actually playing on a lot of black people's desire to want to, to, to want to define their own reality just to cover up for his own bullshit. Cause at the end of the day, like Brianna said, you are not trying to invest and create a village, an infrastructure. You pregnating bitches all around the country, every Instagram model that look like she could be kind of sort of might be maybe not white or black. You're not sure. You're trying to find as many of them as you can to impregnate so you can do some weird pride and ego dance before you die on how many kids you have. Because if you keep this up, it's literally going to be 20, 30, 40 kids. I mean, the man has, I think online, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's like 10 or 11 children now. Seven of them, you know, a good bit of them was doing this last year. And if you really think about that critical mass of children at the same age, going through the same milestones at the same time, you can't buy your way into that kind of connection that those children are going to need. 
It's one thing to have one child in a situation where you're not married to the baby mama and trying to co-parent. It's another co-parenting with seven women. And you're not gonna, and for the women, for the men out there that are trying to stand by that, you and I both know you can't co-parent with your baby mama you got now. Imagine if it were seven a year. That's irresponsible. It just is. No amount of money will make that responsible parenting. And I, I agree with this. It's bullshit. It's, it's, it's him being a hypocrite. And we do need to tear down the walls of this kind of mentality that one, these families that he's creating don't need him. That he has enough money to buy away the relationship because you can't. That's my opinion. I was the only child and I still didn't feel like I got enough perception. So I, I'm just glad that I didn't wasn't raised with siblings because that whole sibling competition thing. And then if you have different parents and just the the I know that sibling even with like two siblings, I know that that com competitive thing is a thing amongst children or offspring. So like, like come on y'all, like like come on. Mm -hmm. As a girl with siblings. And as a girl with siblings and my father was in the home, I will say it was a, it, even with us having supposedly a stable life, it was still difficult. It's difficult to raise multiple children for anybody because there's no rule book to parenting. Yeah, one of your baby mamas is Mariah Carey, so you're not having to pay her bills. But you're, you're actually putting yourself in a situation where you're also going to have to sponsor all of these households. Like, I don't think he realized what seven and eight child supports look like, no matter how. And, and that's the assumption that your child doesn't have um, any special needs or they're disabled in some type of way. Baby. Like everybody just assumed that they're just gonna have this able-bodied child and it's gonna be a cakewalk. Like what, what if your child needs different services that actually require you not only to be there, but to advocate for them as they go through these systems that could criminalize, criminalize them, not only because they're of color, but because they have um, disabilities that won't be appreciated by these white systems is going to be read as, oh, we need to lock this person up or we need, like, it's just the assumption, it, like, people just assume that they're just going to have these quote-unquote normal children. Exactly. And that's a great point that you made. The ability for a father to be able to advocate for his <clears throat> and, and, and meaning not that the like because I, I don't want to at all minimize when black women's capacity to do it all but they shouldn't have to just because he's rich these women should not have to do it all because nick cannon is the baby daddy and so we just have to accept that he's never going to really be here because Girl, I'm 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 a part of the seven from 2020, and then the next group will be I'm part of the eight from 2021. <laughs> like, girl, like it's carrying. It's too yeah, it's just it's irresponsible. Yeah, no. It's just, and if you, and if you really love black people, you should also be invested in their mental health. It's not enough just to procreate black. Like, are you invested? In, are you really invested in their mental health, or are you just uh, invested in the material? access that you could get them like exactly. i think i think i think for people that are that want to have the have children are you going to do everything to be invested in the mental health of your child and the, the sad part is a lot of parents are not going to do that because they just see their children as reflections of them not these autonomous um beings that have feelings their own desires and that they they're their own wants and that they need to be catered to in that way. 
Exactly. Exactly. Shout out to you, Nick Cannon. Congratulations on, you know, I guess these new lives. You know, I do believe children are a blessing, but you're carrying. <laughs> right. And like, so you, it's like you want to work hard to support on it. And he has a talk show coming out in um, September, like a, a national talk show. But it's like, bitch, who the fuck wants to work that hard to support that many kids? Bitch, that's a whole lot of kids. And nobody's shaping. So it's not even like we're saying it's a problem <laughs> to have all these kids. It's another to have groups of children in one at once. Like that is intense. And not, not and it's not like this is a, a a multiple baby situation. This man is seeking out different women and impregnating them as fast as he can see them. And then like think about this like this whole because like Nick Cannon is part of that whole like hustle culture grind culture like what does self-care look like you know you have an autoimmune disease that you're you're purposely going out and putting extra labor on yourself to do more and be more like how like how are you really relaxing it? like you've amassed all this wealth because i'm pretty sure nick cannon is wealthy because he's been famous for a long time and he has very and he's crossed over and he's produced um, shows for Nickelodeon back in the day. Like he's got right and wild, you know, wild and out is his own brand and like his host and stuff. So like, what does it say? You've amassed all of this wealth and you can't even, even if you know that you're going to die in a certain amount of time, you can't even sit back in your wealth and like enjoy this life that you've created for yourself. But you're going out and you're adding additional like labor. On top of everything that you had, like to to me, that screams that Nick Cannon needs some deep intense therapy. And no shade, if I was a cis woman, like I would read the signs of that. That is not somebody that I would be wanting to father a baby with, bitch. It's just it. It just like 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 I would just see the writing on the wall. Like something ain't right. Something ain't right. And like we like. At some point, we gotta stop. We gotta stop chasing the check, girl. Some checks aren't worth it, girl. Sometimes you, I don't know. Nick Cannon's purported net worth, of several online sources, is around thirty million dollars. That's a lot of money, but it ain't now. Now it's not as much as Mariah's money, but it's, it's still not a close to Mariah's coin. Mariah's approaching. <laughs> Let's be clear, bitch. Let's be clear. Clear. Mariah's a half billionaire. <laughs> right. like to be clear but um yeah he's 30 million is cute but this i don't think people also realize you can outspend 30 million dollars as mc hammer as a lot of these people you can outspend tens of millions of dollars and be cash for and be cash for exactly setting yourself up to a life work i also want to talk to him speak to back to the autoimmune disease Let's also talk about the unprotected sex of it all. In the pandemic. In the panini, bitch. <laughs> like, like, in the middle of this pandemic, this nigga is out here wearing, I mean, not wearing condoms on purpose so that he can continue to carry on his legacy and assuming that every pretty face and every woman is gonna, it's not, it's not, it's gonna be able to, and we assume he just messing with women. Let's not act like this ain't Hollywood. Let's not act like we don't know how this goes. Like 
people are more fluid than they let on in life. But I will say that particularly this performative, I'm trying to build a village ass Nick Cannon move is giving me that he's also dealing with something. And I hope he can deal with whatever that is mentally that's making him feel compelled to just do this. And I do believe his health is probably, he knows something we don't know. Maybe his health is gonna affect him, but I just don't understand how exposing yourself to this amount of flora and fauna and bacteria is gonna be good for your autoimmune diseases. I mean, just keeping it a bean. Yeah, I still think that's selfish. Like how you gonna bring me here, bitch, to leave me? If you know, like, come on. Let's talk about that. Let's say it is the case that Nick Cannon knows he's going to die and he's trying to have as many kids as possible. You just going to leave him? You just right. going to literally make children that'll never know you? Again, care about, care, like, I want you to care about me more than just the physical act of having me. Care about my mental health and my mental health. Not saying that people can't survive through that or people can't overcome that, but that's a, like, real deep level of hurt and pain, and everybody's not built the same to sustain that. I agree. I agree. So, yeah. God bless them kids. I say that. Cause they yeah, didn't to this. You didn't number number four for twenty twenty didn't ask to be didn't ask to be there. You know, <laughs> like he did. So yeah, I, I pray for the children, and I pray that these women um will see Nick coming and stop. Since it's not, it's only so much money you're gonna get. <laughs> right, Thir like thir like thirty million and all the and like you know the minute that something goes wrong they go into child support court and that's going to give like two hundred thousand dollars a month like like you are worth 30 million dollars but when you have all of them kids and if all of them baby mothers go to court and get a piece of you baby because all of them children are required to live in the lifestyle that is of the, in the lifestyle accustomed of their parents so right, and I know all of some of them girls gonna get good lawyers and gag your ass. Now you got right. you can make one ten thousand dollars a month, but how you do two seven eight kids? And I know, and then you have to think they live in California, so it's very easy to like inflate shit in California and say, "Oh, I need them to go to this." Like, come on, y'all niggas! Like, I'm not paying for one child in California can run you fifty to seventy thousand dollars a year per child. Nigga, you not that rich. Like if he was billionaire, Nick Cannon, maybe the money argument would make sense, but that don't even make sense with only 30 million. You're not that rich. <laughs> and you're, you're only as rich as long as you are on TV and that shit can be taken away from you. Like, cause it's not like he's come up with some product that's going to like- And let's be real, the numbers that they give online at 30 million, that's what his publicist has put out. We know that's inflated. We know that the actual, that's probably gross. Because what we do know is that people have debts and celebrities be flexing more than you ever imagine. Every car, a lot of the outfits, the stylists, the, all of that shit, all of that is, is paid for out of his pocket. Nigga, you're not that rich. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're thinking, but God bless. That's crazy to me. Uh, um, let's move on to the, what's the next topic that you wanted to discuss? I want to discuss this conference that we were in today. So I want to talk to you guys a little bit about something that Brianna and I are doing tomorrow and did do today. And there is a conference called, and I want to get it completely right, because I know it was the dolls, but I want to make sure that I say it exactly how it is. Um, let me see. Give me a second. 
The Dolls Are Thriving, I believe is what it was called. Um, it's the, the, it, was, it, was a, it was The Dolls Are Thriving. I'm oh, sorry, my Facebook is moving really slow and I'm trying to get to the page where I promoted it. Brianna, can you pull it up for me too? If you can get yeah, it's the um the dolls are thriving. Oh, a, nas mm -hmm. a national a national virtual summit on women of color of trans experience. Yes, the dolls are thriving. Women of color experience in leadership, advocacy, and mentorship. A national virtual summit hosted by Transformations Youth Organization. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Transformations Youth Organization and the the creators of this conference. The dolls are thriving because um, I think that. This was the another thing that helped with my healing today. But I haven't been to conferences in a long time. And before COVID, I had made I had actually had a sponsor from a nonprofit that was going to fly me all around the country last year. Well, we know how that went. So this year, you know, they're doing these conferences, and this one was virtual, and it was just so powerful for me because one, all of the heavy hitters were all in the same place. I could list a bunch of names, but everybody was all there in one place. Shout out to Korea Kelly. Shout out to Dominique Morgan. Shout out to Brianna, who did a conference, a wonderful workshop today on um, legal stuff. And we should talk about that in a moment. Shout out to Marissa Miller. Shout out to, um, um, I was also on the panel, but shout out to um, Kelly Wu, Kelly, Kelly Lou. I, I don't want to get your name wrong. But everybody that was on today um, was wonderful. Hope Giselle, um, I, I could go on and on. Um, my sister, my sister um, Tati in Chicago. It, it's so many girls were on at different points, was on at different points today, and the conversation was really, really good. Now, you know, usually in these spaces there can be um, some drama or some shade, and I did not experience that today. I honestly feel. Cause you know I've had you know of course it's community and we and we we've been and when you've done this work this long you've had words with people, and so there were people that I have had words with um, on that call and we were good. Name them, bitch. No, I will not. I will not name anybody because again <laughs> I have no reason to. It's not like the it's not like anybody came at me with that energy. The energy was good. The vibe was great. The 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 topics were in, were interesting. I mean, you know, it, as it, as with any conferences, you know, certain panels were better than others. Um, but it was really really good, and it lasted very long. So we're recording kind of late tonight here, and it went far into almost nine o'clock. It was still going before I, after I got off. Diamond was in the room. No, everybody paid it. By the time I left, it was like six of us. <laughs> The performers, me, um, and a couple, and and uh, the the one white boy that wasn't really speaking, but his his picture was up. He was there the whole day, and then some other folks. Um, but yeah, it was mostly me and the promoters and one other person and the guy and the people that were the performers. Um, the performers were really really good. The poetry was good. The singing was good. I had a wonderful time. I'm full. Um, ordinarily, when I ordinarily. I would probably not show up to the second day after such a long day, just off of my real natural personality. But I will be there tomorrow because box number 512 will be doing a live broadcasting on the conference. And for those of you who are on the sound in this listening to this, 
um, you'll be getting it as a part of our weekly output in the future. But this was an awesome opportunity for us. And of course, I want to shout them out because they paid our booking fee, which is important for these kinds of matters. You know, a lot of times when we're doing this work, it is it does tend to be pro bono because people don't want to pay to hear trans people talk, usually. But I shout out to this organization for actually investing in black trans business and paying our quote at rate. We appreciate you. Um, yeah, so this was a wonderful experience and I look forward to tomorrow. Since what were your thoughts on today? Honey, don't mind me. I'm over here snacking. But um I enjoyed myself. Um I was I was really able to come in during the end. Um, like Somalia said, I did um present for about 40 minutes. Um just about trends, um, legal stuff and um, where we are at and just some places that I hope we can go to legally. But I'm just happy to see that it was so many heavy hitter girls in the room together, us all sharing space. And um, I was able to listen to some of the conversations and towards the end, I was able to um, chime in, but it really felt good to see everybody, Diamond Styles that came on at the oh, end. Oh no, she popped through. Um, I'm looking forward to tomorrow, and even though it's feeling like the world is shutting down again, um, I really hope that um, we can do more of these conferences, because um, I, I just think it's necessary for us to, and not just only in, like, professional, nonprofit, um, like, like, nonprofit leader spaces, just for us to have conferences where we can kind of like step out of those breast practices as like trainers and EDs and just like um, have grown women talk amongst each other and just um, do stuff that way. But I think it was a great, I think it was a great event and I look forward, I believe this is like the first of its kind. Shout out to Kansas City for being a trailblazer because I don't think I don't think any other like org or city has kind of organized the girls in this way, mm -hmm. particularly the black girl. Like this is the first time I'm seeing somebody um, do like do an event with dedicated programming that are bringing like black trans women together from across the country. Mm -hmm. um, I would have liked to see more um, prominent um, black trans, not like the entertainers, but like the prominent people like in activism and policies i would like to see them on the call i think some of them may be joining for the second day but um great job great job like i you know it's, it's no shade like somebody has to do the work i'm happy that the midwest is leading it and i look forward to seeing how the the event expands next year you know for me another thing that was really powerful is how when you realize how many people look up to us, right? Like there were real moments where to, to, so women that you, when you, it's a great feeling when women that you respect, respect you equally. And I just love being in those spaces because I really get to see how fucking brilliant we are. So in spite of all of the girls that I've disagreed with in my time doing this work, all of us are some talk, we some talking ass bitches. We know what the hell we talking about. And I am proud to see that. I remember, you know, cause I'm, I'll be 38 coming up in a couple weeks. And I remember 
trying to have conversations and the only girls that would come, the girls with the skill sets to be able to have in-depth conversations on critical issues and intersectionalities and race theory as it applies to trans people and safety and, and its intersections in power and politics. Like the way we were able to talk today, that wasn't something that, that was common to experience in this work because at one point we were such a marginalized community that a lot of trans women hadn't even got to that place where they could think about those kinds of things. We would come together and have meals and we really couldn't talk about too much more than trade boys and safety because that's where our majority of our problems were. And as trans women, we really, not that the brilliance wasn't there, not that it wasn't present, but when we came together, we usually organized around struggle. Well, I am excited that in my time as a cultural competency trainer and in my time as a advocate and then as a as a servant in community and then as a leader in community i'm glad to see this transition now where i'm starting to see more women who are who are choosing who could choose like the safety the strategy of survival back in the day they could choose to be stealth and they could choose to live lives where they still have successful lives but did not necessarily bring that information that knowledge on navigating and living back to community. And so I don't wanna ever minimize the sharing that I know comes when, when a lot of these women with these skill sets that probably would do great in corporate America or great in other capacities are choosing to do work in community and choosing to engage and be sisterly and plug in, even when it's not cameras present. So this was an opportunity today for us to come together as individuals in a collective space as sisters, Black, queer, Black and Latina and, and people of color, trans people came together and trans women in particular, and we were leading and holding the space. That was sickening to me because I've done this work a lot of time and we'll have the big event, but there's always the the, the, the butch queen gatekeeper that owns the nonprofit or the pharmaceutical company that has to break in the middle and tell us about the newest Truvada or the, you know what I'm saying? Or the big corporation that wants a pat on the back for allowing us to have the space and the CEO has to give a speech. Like it wasn't none of that. None of that shit that makes you feel icky because you know that people are here making money off of you and we're just a community that they want to say they reached. It, it, I didn't feel any of that today. It was genuinely a for us, it felt like a for us by us moment. I'm not sure all the players behind the scenes, but they did a great job of making us feel like we were centered. And I just, I was just impressed. And so I'm excited for tomorrow. I'll be there all day as well. And of course we're doing our live taping and I look forward to that too. Shout out to again, the dolls are thriving. We really appreciate this virtual summit. Now sis, I'm interested to go to the next topic and it's on you. So what you wanna talk about now? Um, before, before we go into the next topic, uh, I'm sorry, bitch, these, um, Fritos twists, they taste so fucking good. Uh -huh. I'm, being, I'm, being, I'm, I'm being so great right now, but hey, yeah. um, so I bought, a couple of weeks ago, I bought, um, BEC, I gotta, we, I, we gotta have, um, oh, I know what I'm gonna talk about before we get to that. I just wanna give a shout out to BET Plus. Now, if you know me personally, 
I'm somebody that has been hard on BET <coughs> because some of the, well, one, because of their history of anti-queerness um, to, to the community. And I just feel like BET is just not, it's not as great as it could be. But I have to say, I bought BET Plus because I was trying to watch the Encore show and I thought that the Encore show would be on BET Plus, which why is it not? Like it should be airing along with it on the ex regular TV, but it wasn't on there. But I watched, um, they had the show called American Gangsters Track Queens that profile like um, women um, that have been like convicted of crimes and they, you know, they talk about their crimes, they profile them. But BET Plus actually has some really fab original content on there. Um, and they have two shows that I ended up binging and I really um, live for like half hour comedies. So they have a um, sitcom called Bigger on there that is, I binged the first two seasons. I thought that was really good. And then the um, first Wilds Club show with Jill Scott. Like, that show is really good. So I just want to say shout-outs to BEC+. Um, I tried to watch the Tyler Perry shows. I, I just couldn't. Um, I, I just, like, that. and, you know, I had this daydream, like, for you, those of you who don't know, I, I have a fantasy of producing, like, a television pilot or at least one season of a show. And no shade. I would actually love to like shadow Tyler Perry to just see like how he does it. Like, All right. how, even though like the quality is not the best that it could be, like I as somebody, like I'm kind of similar where I'm the type of person, like I'm a one-stop shop. And I would just be really curious to see like how he does what he does and like apply it to myself, but do it in my way. But no shade. I tried to watch the brush show. I couldn't get through the first 10 minutes. And it, 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 it just wasn't good. But I know he does own half a BET Plus. So I don't want to shade him too much. But I, I would still like to work for, for him. And I also could see if they do a revival of Noah's Ark, which I made a post and I tagged Patrick Ian Pope, Pope in the post that he responded to it. Oh my they, God, what did he say? Um, I think it, he either said thank you or he just sent the hearts because um, I'm like, we need to get Noah's art back on BC Plus. Like, it only makes sense because BC Plus already has good, like, half an hour shows. And that's basically what Noah's art was. It was like a half an hour show. And then they could do it because Logo and BET are owned by the same parent company. So it will be nothing for them to transfer. They're both owned by Viacom. So it'd be nothing for a logo to transfer to BET. Like, we like I'm I'm proud of being, and I know BET is trying to like do more like so shout out to the people behind the scenes who are trying to progress BET in the right direction. Because I know it's somebody behind the scenes doing it because just the um the the space that Little Nas X has gotten to grow and evolve and display himself on BET. Um, it was a show that came out last year, Lena Waits, the 20 show, which um, one of the main characters is a queer woman. And then um, B. Scott um, has a, a show that's coming out on BET. So somebody behind the scenes is really- shout out to them rectifying their relationship with B. Scott, B. Scott as well. Right, right. And I think Lena had a lot to do with that. 
Lena had a, a lot to do with that. Um, and even the show Boomerang, one of the men on there is a bisexual character. So somebody behind the scenes has, you know, has been, you know, working from within trying to get BET to play catch up. Um, so I would really love to see if Noah's art came back for it to not only just be on BET, but be on BET Plus because the wave is not to put it on regular cable because nobody's really watching regular cable. Everything is what app are you, what streaming app are you on? And I think Noah's Ark would fit in with the the fabulous shows that BET Plus, the um, First Wilds Club and the bigger show. I really enjoy um, those shows they got. And it's good music. Like anytime I can watch the show and I'm learning new music from the music that's featured on the show, that's a show that I really like. So shout out to BET Plus. Also, I want to go answer some questions. Um, some people ask us, I thought I could turn this into a regular episode, but... Um, not enough of y'all ask questions, but it's okay though. <clears throat> but we did get some questions um, that people wanted to ask us and I figured we can answer them quickly on the show before we go into our next topic. So, um, first question. Do you have any advice for black trans women? This is from Emiles. Um, do you have any advice for Black trans women thinking about a career in law and possibly attending law school? I'll let you go, sis. Say it again. What was the question? I'll let you go. No, I want you to read the question one more time. Um, do you have any advice for Black trans women thinking about a career in law and possibly attending law school? So, <laughs> at some point, well, I'll say both of us started out law school. My sister graduated and I did not. And I it was, and then, so this is a good idea. So I would encourage anyone trying to go to law school to one, research your school. So there's a way in which you can get so tunnel vision in your means to an end that you think that the school doesn't matter. There are many factors to consider beyond the academic background of the community and their credit, I mean, the school and their accreditation. You have to look at what does, particularly as a trans woman, you want to make sure that you're going to a school that doesn't, particularly if you're a black trans woman, that one has a, uh, a, a has a culture that is permit that is permissive of your full blackness. Um, a lot of law schools and higher education schools are not used to centering or even thinking about people of color in the way that they teach and in the way that they um, um, promote certain even standards of appearance. Um, the law is still a very conservative session, sex, um, um, I mean, a profession. And this profession also is a lot of gatekeepers. There are a lot of people that get it. Some people get into the law for the altruistic reason of learning the law and being supportive and all of that and they wanna help. But there are people that get into, the, into law for sharks. And I know, it, in and of itself, that environment is not self-regulating. So it needs to be a campus that has a strong LGBT support system. I think that's important. Look at the campuses, the, the school, the people that attend on the school and actually contact those LGBT orgs on the campus to see how they feel about the law school, to see how the students in the law school are reacting. There were opportunities now that I realized that, that, that really affected my ability to complete 
that had nothing to do with my capacity or the school's accreditation. There were factors, real world factors, such as me being in a school where, you know, I had professors that would get off the elevator if I got on. And now this man has to give me a grade on a, on a subjective ass test at the end of the semester, right? Like, it's not like in law school, you get these opportunities to do all these assignments. Some classes, it's just the final. And now this man has got to grade me on just the final and you can't stand to be in the elevator with me. Or if, I, or if you can't get off, you're going to slink against the wall like I'm dirty and it's going to rub off. That's my real experience. And these are supposed to be professionals that are helping shape minds of people that are going to create laws that are going to last forever. And to Brianna, what Brianna talked about today is the way in which there are, you know, even in law, there's, it's very politicized in a lot of ways. So you want to make sure that the political reputation of your school, you want to make sure that the, the, the climate at your school is going to be supportive of you. Because ultimately, when the shit hits the fan and the school turn their back on you and you fall out with the people at the school, you know, it, that's a hurting feeling. And that can affect you wanting to complete. Sis, what are your thoughts? Um... <clears throat> Um, I think, I think the advice that, that I would have to give, like, in particular, a Black trans woman, um, one, just be open to relocating. Um, I think that's probably the best thing about law school is that you have a, you have a paid excuse to relocate to somewhere that you've never been before if you just want to get somewhere and start new. Um, if you're in the Deep South League. That's just my <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I wouldn't tell somebody that they need to be out, but I would tell, like, particularly a black trans woman, um, I would be, I would start to think really hard about how you want your transness to be perceived. Like, well, not, I don't even want to say that. I will say that at least now, if you do come out, there are there are some supports and there are some safe spaces for you. But I think you have to be really clear on um, if you're trans and black, whether you whether it's worth it for you to be out or whether it's worth for you to be so. Um, because the reality is the the law is the very conservative the reality is that even within black groups or like ethnic and cultural groups those still tend to, for as radical as they are racially they tend to be conservative conservative and even how the lgbtq stuff even as radical as it may appear to be it can still be conservative so I really think um, you want to start having those conversations before you go in, um, whether you're going to be an out student or whether you're going to be stealth. And um, I was just having this conversation with a trans masculine person who um, self-identifies as stealth, but he still, you know, wanted to get my perspective. And I was just like, I really can't give you an answer. Um, I think you, do, I think you have to assess the environment, and I think you have to um, do what feels comfortable for you. Um, but why I say you want to take some time to think about that is um, you want to be sure what type of game you're going to play going into law school because you don't want to, I wouldn't want anybody to get lost in the sauce and you, you having this um, struggle with your identity impacts your ability to perform well in law school. 
Because ultimately, your goal should be to perform well, get the grades that you need to get so you can get a good position once you get out of law school. But I think it's worth... Um, I think it's worth having those conversations because law school, you're going to be tested because you, it might be a class where the topic of the day is trans people or trans rights. And are you going, are you going to be the person that's like not going to say anything when one of your Republican classmates says something ignorant? Or are you going to be the person that's going to stand up and be the, the one token person or the representation that's trying speaking out or not saying nothing they each have their own emotional tolls um and you, you i think you just have to be prepared for that well you know what's so powerful that you said speaking out <clears throat> speaking out and um i think that that's really powerful um so there like you said there are times where you don't expect that your transness will be an issue because you may not yourself want to lead with that but you, like you said, like you just said, there are double sides to that. So speaking out also to a classmate, to a group of people that never really will understand you. So you do realize you're not entering into an environment like the liberal arts where they're teaching this gender queer theory, where you have professors that are on the in the faculty that have done this elaborate study on how to be accommodating. And so a lot of these people are, are coming from a very, very conservative background and they think that they're better than certain people. So I experienced that feeling of having classmates that just couldn't get over the fact that I was there. Like, how did the fuck did she get in here? Mm -hmm. Like, and, 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 and feeling that awkwardness that I'm excelling and, and then the, the resentment that they feel like, that, that they feel like they, that I'm even in their space getting being a part of this curve, this bell curve this teacher giving. Like there were people that did not want to study with me. So I want to be real with y'all. Law school is not for the faint of heart and you're going to have to be independent and self-motivated. And I will say transitioning in law school sounds incredibly difficult because you're dealing with the emotional and spiritual loss of a lot of people while going through an environment that is judging you and crit critiquing you and even for clerkships and positions and you know you're dealing with major infrastructure institutions that did not plan on a black trans body being there and you're having to sit through that interview if you want to be a clerk you have to sit through these interviews with people <laughs> that are that may not have the same political views as you that are probably republican and are not going to necessarily be okay with it and how are you going to push past that Already be prepared in your mind for the reality that you're going to have to push past people's expectations and some of their no's, you know. And remember that delayed is not denied. That your path as a as a black trans person is going to be different. It may not look like you'll get the clerkship in your sophomore year like everybody else, but that you'll get it later, and it's still valid, and it still will work for you in your career. Like keep all those things in mind and try not to compare yourself but particularly for if you're a young transitioner or someone that's just transitioning i would encourage you to make sure that you have dotted all your t's crossed all your i's and have a therapist on hand oh yeah have access to a therapist because you're going even if it's not trans <laughs> stuff law school just brings out the worst in people because it's so competitive and so stressful that the amount of work i did not realize the amount <laughs> of like, so in undergrad, you may be given an assignment, right? Or you may be given, or even in master's level work, you're given an assignment, you're reading a lot, you're reading, you're writing, 
the way law school sets up and that's a Socratic method. And then the way that uh, some of those professors use that where you're like on the firing squad and you having to read pages and pages and pages of stuff a night. And no one's really like, you're kind of learning on the fly. Cause no one's really for real, for real, holding your hand through these readings. You know, you, you, you gotta just kind of, you be able to fly out. Sometimes you're flying off the seat of your pants from what you read last night and hoping that you have the best understanding and still being able to push past your dysphoria to, to speak in this room of people when the professor's only addressing you this whole period, bitch. That used to wear me out. <laughs> like where, where the professor would just choose a student and you are my pet for today, bitch. And every question that I ask about every one of these case studies is coming from you. That Socratic method is no joke. So if you're going to do law school and you're going to transition, have you a therapist, even if you just a trans one, have a th take advantage of the school's therapy if you don't have a therapist going in. Because when you become a student, you do get access to that. So, yeah, when I went to DePaul, we had access to um, the like the, just the undergrad university therapist and it only costs $5 a session. Yes, ma'am. So that was definitely affordable. Let's do another, that was fun. Um, let's do another question. Um, how can a young, hold on, this is not right. How can a young learning and unlearning cis ally who is just starting to understand how to purposely ally with trans women, men, non-binary and gender non-conforming people actively participate in trans-led activism without overstepping the boundary of power and space. Did you did you get that? I did, but read it again, just to be sure. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna take some of these edges out. How can someone who is just starting to understand how to purposely ally with trans women um, and other people in community actively participate in trans-led activism without overstepping the boundary of power and space. As being like a, a this person without- Right. Okay, okay. So I will say, knowing when to step up and step back and know that it will never be centered around you. I cannot tell you how many cis folks come into community and will come and performatively say, I wanna be in support. And then as soon as they realize not only do, do you not know what you're talking about because you're not trans, but you are also frustrated that we're not willing to receive all of your great ideas and all of your amazing skills and all of your amazing talents when we're an organized community that has existed now for 30 plus, 30, 40 plus years. And we've learned a thing or two about how, what we need and we're, we've learned how to communicate what we want and we would appreciate your support, but we don't need it. When I say we don't need it, I'm not saying we don't need you, but we don't need necessarily to be infantilized. We don't need to feel like we should be grateful that you're there. We don't necessarily need to feel, because you're, you're coming to the space is great, but know that you're coming to greatness, right? Like we're not coming from a place of lack. We would love for you to participate. We encourage you to participate. We want you to know that we love you and we are grateful that you want to participate, but come understanding you're walking into greatness and you're walking into a community that has fought really hard to have our power and our voices. And we're not just going to cede that because a white man walks in or because a black man walks in because a black cis woman walks in. Also remember to rem remember to 
step up and step back, right? So then even when given the opportunity to step up, if you know that there's a better person that can do it, that is trans, let them do it. So let me give you an example. There's a particular young man and I won't say his name. He is a black cis man. And we talked a little bit about some of his problematic ways here. But um, he's a black cis man that, get, that has a great job that does a great job talking about trans issues. I won't take that away from him if he does a great job. But because he is a black cis man, people will choose him. They would rather talk to a black cis man about trans issues because we don't have to deal with the, we don't have to feel uncomfortable. We don't have to do the pronoun dance. We don't, we don't have to deal with somebody coming in here that's gonna make us uncomfortable. You can explain, mansplain, that's what I call it, better than what, than what we think they can do. And we would rather have you come in and a mansplain than have a black trans woman come in the room and talk. And this man often positions himself where he's speaking on our behalf. It is great, wonderful. But the idea that you taking bags out of qualified bitches' hands bothers me. The idea that you came into this community probably well-intentioned, but you're not allowing other people to succeed because you're taking up all of the air every time somebody calls, every time there's an issue in community, you got to be the one to rush on the roots. You got to be the one to be on the breakfast club. You need to remember that there are other people that have done this for their entire life, that have made this type of work and our analysis the strongest that we can, bolstered by our education, and we also are, are, are public figures that want the opportunity to be heard on a larger platform. But if you always take the space as a cis person, as an ally, and go and take those spots from us, they will never allow us to get on there. So for you allies that know that you got a large following and you just want to hop on this, check with, check with the people that's been doing it for a long time and bring people along. Don't feel comfortable with the fact that they just they want to talk to you about this and you can make a lot of money off of this because then you become a part of the problem. You become a part of the system of oppression that says we're not qualified, that plays into the stereotype that we're not professionals who can handle ourselves. So, yeah, don't know when to step up, but also know when to step back. What are your thoughts, sis? Um, I have nothing to add to that. I think, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, yeah, I don't have anything to add. So I'll go to our last question. And then I think after this, we can take a break and then we could just go to the, the next topic. Yeah. Um, how do you deal when community becomes too overwhelming? This is from Michaela. Um, I, I just, I detach and I like, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like where I'm at, where I'm at in community and the movement now, I'm really only, I'm really, like, I see the drama and stuff like that, but because I'm not really intimately connected with the girls now who are in the drama, I feel like I can detach and um, step away. And I feel like I'm connected to the, the trans women that actually um, matter to me in a way that their drama and what they're going through is not overwhelming for me. Um, I'm the type of person, like I'm friendly, I'm, I know how to politic and navigate, but I'm a very private person. 
And if you get close to me, we will have a relationship, but I'm not necessarily, like people know me and I know of people, but I'm not intimately connected to everybody because I'm very particular about um, who I'm connected with. But at this point, I just, I, I surround myself with girls that are really not, um, with trans women and I get and trans men too that are just living regular lives and that are not into drama and that are not um, in survival mode. So for me, um, being around being around trans women, um, it's a different. I think I've created, I've created um, where there's a difference between um, trans folks that I'm in community with because we are working together or we're organizing together. And it's a separation between the trans women who I'm intimately connected with, where we are friends, we're sisters, we, you know, hey, bitch, how you doing? Um, what's the tea? And it's some girls that overlap because some of my friends are in activism work. So it is that overlap. But for me, there's definitely a difference. Um, so when I'm, when I'm overwhelmed by community, I've set my life up where I can um, just focus on my regular life and the trans folks that are in my regular life, I will still have attachment um, and connection to them. Um, so I, I don't know, I hope that answered the question. Um, but yeah, like the like the community and activism and all of that, um, that's gonna be there, but I'm not, I'm not invested in fighting over crimes because I, I have other things that um, bring me joy in my life. And I can't lie, I'm I'm in a privileged space where I'm in a career that I love that's kind of separate from community. Like even though I do handle trans cases and I do do stuff that touches up on trans issues, a majority of my work that I work on is not um, trans related, and I know that's a privilege. Um, I you know I make a nice salary. The salary is going up, and I do realize that um, I'm in a privileged position where I. For, for all intents and purposes, I can create my environment and I can create my, my peace. And I know that, you know, not a lot of folks in my community um, are doing that same thing. So I, I definitely acknowledge that that's a privilege and that I'm blessed in that way. But I, I, I think that, uh, again, that has allowed me to set myself up in a way where I can insulate myself from the drama and foolishness and only surround myself with um, people that we're on the same wavelength and our lives are intertwined and going in the same direction. So, so what is your opinion? You know, self-care is paramount. Self-care is more is the most important part of this. And that sounds that sounds kind of productive, especially for those of us that say we want to be of service and we want to be in community. I had to learn the hard way that I'm not doing myself no favors, making myself miserable, trying to do something that isn't serving me spiritually. And what I mean by that is this work is draining. It is labor. Even the amount of time that you have to spend online having conversation and being a facilitator of conversation, that is labor. And I don't want to minimize that in any way, shape, form, or fashion because a lot of times, you're discussing topics, you're discussing murder, you're discussing things that are emotionally triggering. And we have very, very high tolerance for bullshit as, as, as trans folk, just because of the world we live in and the bullshit that happens in the world that we live in. We have a very high tolerance. But if you're already asking yourself, 
if it's okay, should I step away or how, how do you handle this feeling? The Embrace it. Your body is communicating to you a need, a necessity for you to protect yourself. That's why I say self-care is paramount. Like RuPaul says, if you don't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? How the hell are you going to make? Because I found that I was allowing myself to fall victim to the self-guilt of feeling like, I need to be in the mix. I need to know what's going on. If I'm going to be called myself a leader, I got to constantly put myself out there, put myself out there, put myself out there. But as I revealed earlier, I have social anxiety. So I was putting myself in a toxic spiral of depression and I couldn't figure out why. And it was because I felt the need to engage even after my body, my mind, my spirit was telling me I needed to take a break. These problems are going to be here waiting on you. The girls are going to be here arguing, ready to argue with you when you get back. The, 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 the trade will always be ready to fuck you. The, the, the cis folks will, will still think you're a man. Like all of that. <laughs> None of that is going to change. And all of that will be waiting for you when you get back. So there was a time period for me where I had to take a small break. Um, not a small break, a, a, a couple of years. I say small in the grand scheme of a lifetime, but I had to take a couple of years where I did take an active step back from community because I was burned out. I was really burned out. Not that I didn't have, not that I didn't show up to events when needed, not that I didn't still do my consultancies and the things that I do to make money while being a trans person, not that I wasn't hanging with my sisters, but I was not feeling like I had to be in the mix, in the point of everything. Now that I run a business, of course, you know, now that I run a business and my nonprofit, I wanted to get that back up and going. But I had also dealt with a lot of grief and I never processed it. And one day I just found myself crying after a meeting and stressed out, literally going to community events and hanging out in my husband's car with him while the event is happening, going in, hugging people, speaking, doing my part and then going back to the car and then showing back up at the end to hug everybody and leave. Like, cause I just was at that place where this was a lot for me. And then also, don't allow motherfuckers to make you feel guilty. So there are people that will make you feel like your every breaking moment should be their concern. That if you're not doing it, they don't know what you're doing. If you're not posting on social media, oh, you done fell off. Or you're not really, you don't really care about us like you say you do. Fuck them hoes. Take care of yourself, self first. And that's my thought. So we are going to take a pause for the cause. Um, you will likely hear the second part to this episode next week. So bye, y'all. See y'all for part two next bye. week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fox Number 5's podcast, Grown Black Trans Women Talk. And don't forget to become a patron on the Box Number 512 Patreon page, where we have all new exclusive content. And also, don't forget to follow us on our social media, on our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook pages. And also, become a subscriber on our YouTube page. Until next time, bye. bye.